Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is to say, to save much people alive. And let's pray as we get started, shall we? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, as we jump into this passage, and this, ver- this great verse, this verse that's comforted many throughout history, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch our hearts again, that... Um, as we look at the life of Joseph and what you allowed him to go through, that we then stop and reflect on the things that we've gone through in our lives and see those blessings, those helps that will help us through the tragedies of our lives. And we love you. We thank you. Praise things your name. Amen. You may be seated. So today, as we jump into our lesson today, um, I love this verse. We'll be focusing a lot into it. But um, really, as we think about the story leading up to this, we're starting here at the end of the story, right? If you ever had a pastor say, oh, we all know the story of Joseph. And we're like, no, I don't. I remember when I first got saved, most of you all know I'm from a Jewish background. I remember being at a um, campground one time, summer camp with the teens, and the pastor asked, when did you get baptized? And I was like, what is baptized? <laughs> that concept had no clue in my mind. I had never heard the word before. Um, so let's just practice the story of Joseph real quick in case someone isn't familiar with it. Um, Joseph, of course, is one of the sons of Jacob, um, otherwise known as Israel, like where we get the name of the country from, or the name of the people. Um, Jacob, God gave him the name Israel, and Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. Those 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, so, unfortunately, he had, Jacob had a major sin in his life where he had two wives plus two concubines that he had these, all these children from. Um, Joseph was the oldest son of his favorite wife. And we know that's just a bad statement right there, right? There's nothing right with that sentence. Um, we can jump into parenting lessons. As marital, I mean, nothing right with that. Um, so he was his favorite, and the worst part was everybody knew it. Of course, we think about Joseph in the, um, the coat of many colors. You know, he's, you know, the dad gives that to Joseph, and all the brothers know. All the brothers are getting selfish. So one day when they're out, Joseph comes up to try to find where they're at. They take him, they throw him into a pit. And it's actually kind of funny. If you ever notice, so they threw him in a pit and then had lunch. <laughs> Insult to injuries. He's in there in the pit. Come on, guys, let me out. Hold on, you might peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> um, they were just going to let him die until they saw a couple of slave traders going by. And they said, well, instead of killing him, let's make some money. And they sold him off to be a slave. He ended up down there in Egypt, um, being owned by a guy named Potiphar. And while there, we know the story that he starts faithfully serving Potiphar and ends up being the the steward of his house. Everything that Potiphar had, Joseph was in charge of. It says that basically Joseph took care of everything. So Potiphar really only knew the food that was in front of his plate. Everything else was taken care of. He would choose dinner, and that was it. He was a great steward and served there many years until Potiphar's wife long story short, lied about him after she wouldn't do what he wanted her to do. That's just bad grammar right there, right? Um, when, Potiphar's wife, when Joseph wouldn't fall for lust of Potiphar's wife, she lied about him, um, and he got thrown in jail and stayed there in jail for many years. Well, while they're in jail, he stayed faithful. He stayed following God and soon started raising the ranks of the prison to the fact that he was... This prisoner was running the prison. He was taking care of all the daily assignments. He was, I can't even imagine it. I was trying to see a prisoner, a, a prisoner running the prison. You know, the guard was obviously in, in charge of him. But um, he was running the prison. One day in there, there was two prisoners that the Pharaoh himself sent down to that prison. Both of them had dreams. God gave Joseph the interpretation. One of them, sorry man, you're going to die. I go, hey, you're going to get restored back to your position. When you go back before Pharaoh... Remember me. And of course, he straightway forgot and left him there in jail for many other years until God decided to show the Pharaoh a dream, which he had no idea what it meant. And then suddenly, the steward remembers, you know, I remember this guy, Joseph. They caught him out of prison. God gave the interpretation. But not only that, not only was it Joseph able to see what the problem was, but he also came up with a solution. I love people like that. Like, okay, yeah, we see there's a problem. But they also come up with a solution, right? I had someone recently here at the church notice there was um, a broken door handle. Um, I didn't see it. They saw it first, so they came up to me and said, there's a broken door handle, and here's the money to fix it. I like those kind of people. 
Um, by the way, so people who don't know, one of my positions here, one of my jobs here is the building maintenance. If you ever do see something like that, let me know. Maybe I just don't see it. If you ever see something broken, let me know and I'll fix it. Especially if you're going to pay for it. <laughs> so, Joseph then comes before Pharaoh, sees the problem, sees the solution. Pharaoh recognizes the wisdom in this guy and says, okay, now execute the solution. He becomes basically the prime minister of the country of Egypt, which is an amazing, starting as a slave, now as the prime minister. Of course, we know the story, eventually the famine does hit, just as Joseph predicted, or God showed through Joseph. Um, and his brothers come begging for food, and he has the opportunity to get, them, to get back at his brothers, but he doesn't. Um, here in the story, um, after he says there, um, he actually has them go back, get dad, and the whole country of Israel, which is about 60 people at the time, not a big country, come back and move into Egypt, and Joseph takes care of them. Well, daddy just died. Israel, Jacob, dies. Now the brothers are afraid, man, now that dad's gone, he was just trying to be nice for dad. Now he's going to get his revenge. When they come up to him, Joseph thinks back on his life. And says this, this verse here, But as for ye, you thought evil against me. You mean you tried to kill me? You made me into a slave? I ended up going to prison? You thought evil against me. But God meant it for good. If Joseph never went down to Egypt, the country of Israel would have been wiped off from the famine. But that we see later on in the story, where the, there is no food where Israel was over in Canaan. So he came and tried to buy money from Egypt several times. And the country of Egypt would have been desolate. Israel would have, several people would have died if Joseph never became the slave. If Joseph never got down there in Egypt. Joseph realized, yeah, it was evil what you did to me. But God meant it to, for under good. To bring to pass as of this day to save much people alive. And as he went, Joseph went through this major dramatic tragedy in his life. Many of us in our lives, all of us will go through some kind of major trauma in our lives, right? We'll all go through some kind of situation which is just traumatic through the pains. I don't want to say and name all the different tragedies that we could go through, but we all have those scars, right? I think about, you know, death of loved ones. Thinking about cancer. Thinking about um, a job loss, an opportunity loss. All the different tragedies in our life. And I don't want to sit here and say name every tragedy because what's a tragedy to you may not be a tragedy to me. I, can, I, knew, I have a friend who he will talk almost every, quite frequently about the major time he got fired from a job and how traumatic it was for him. And he'll talk, it's been almost 10 years and he'll still keep going back to that. It's this huge trauma in his life. I know another guy, if he gets fired from a job, that's like every other Thursday. It's not a big deal to him. Um... So what is a trauma to you may, may not be a trauma to someone else. So you picture your trauma as we talk about this. Whether it's a death of a loved one, whether it's cancer, job loss, whatever it is to you. You, you name it, fill in the blank here, right? And I want to talk today a little about, about growing through tragedy. Growing through tragedy. I don't like, I say growing through because I don't like the time getting over. Someone, when my brother-in-law died, someone told my sister-in-law told the, the fresh widow, one day you'll get over this. You don't get over the death of a spouse. That, that, that's, no, you don't get over it. You can grow through it. You don't get over it. You don't, you know, God, today I want to look at how God can use those tragic situations. We're not going to get over them, but we can grow through them. We can see some growth in our lives through it. So no matter what your tragedy was, let's stop and look at how God can use those tragedies to grow in your lives today. And I want to make sure that we end up in a point where we don't get defined by our tragedies. Have you ever met someone like that? That one bad thing that happened in their life is their defining factor. Is the one major thing everyone thinks about. I think about King David with that, right? What was his one big sin? Yell it out. Bathsheba. And how much did that affect the rest of his life? I mean, obviously you have the death of the baby there. But then look what happened with his family because he didn't want to deal with this tragedy, right? And it gets to the horrible, where one son does an incredibly wicked act. Um, one daughter gets taken advantage of. The other son kills the first son. Um, the, that son, Absalom, gets banished. Eventually gets brought back and ignored. He ends up causing a civil war. That's traumatic. Because David didn't want, because David was letting his, his sin, which was a straight up sin, 
define the rest of his life. And we, I've met people like that where the, that divorce they had 30 years ago is one of their defining traits. They talk about it. And they, that just that's, all encompasses them. I don't want to end up being one of those people where one bad situation, one bad tragedy, whether it's caused by me, caused by somebody else, or just, just God allowed, to be the defining factor of our life. I want to grow through the tragedy. So today, I want to, just, I want to look at the Bible, because we don't want to just push our teeth and just go through it. No, we want to grow through our tragedies. So let's look at you know, the four steps of growing through our tragedy, shall we? The first step I see here is that um, Joseph was able to accept what was going on. The first step of growing through tragedy is the simple acceptance. It says here in verse 15, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Well, man, prevent your... Will Joseph hate us and will certainly requite us for all the evil which he did unto them? If we jump down to verse 19 to see what Joseph's reaction actually was. They're saying, man, dad said, I mean, he didn't attack us because dad was alive and he didn't want to cause the dad grief like we did. So no, he's just waiting for dad to die. No, Jesus said, fear not, verse 19. Joseph said unto them, fear not. For am I in the place of God? Am I in God's place to, um, to cast judgment? As we go through our traumatic situations, the very first step of being able to grow through something, the very foundational step is we have to actually accept that it happened. There's a lot of times people will go through a situation and it's hard for them to accept that it happened. We have to realize, though, this thing happened. Whatever this thing was, it happened. And there's nothing we can now do to change it. We can't go back and change the past. Time machines are not real. Do not invest in a DeLorean. The past has happened. We can't change it. We can accept it. We can realize it happened, and we can grow through it. I think of the Apostle Paul with this, right? If you, um, Acts 22.20 uh, says, And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by, and consenting unto his death, and kept the raiment of them that slew him. Paul, for the rest of his life, would remember when he helped kill Stephen. He remembered he was able to... He was... He was instrumental in the death of the very first Christian. Of course, people have died for the faith before then. But he helped execute Stephen. He consented onto his death. He held the reign. Some people say he may have been the one to debate it with them. And he could step back years and years later and remember how they stoned Stephen to death. And it was his fault. He, had, he could have crippled him for the rest of his life as a Christian. That could have been his defining factor. But he had to come to accept it. I did wrong. It was a sin. And I have to go through this. We have to come to grips with what the situation is. We can't just bury our emotions. There is for many generations, they told us men, men, we just grunt and bear it. Men don't cry. I don't think that's healthy. We have, to, we have to accept it. We have to realize, okay, this did happen. We have to deal with the emotions. We can't just bury it. We can't just ignore it. We can't just push it deep down and, you know... Man up. No. No, we need to realize the situation happened. You know, it's okay to not always be okay. There's a thought for you, right? We, we live in this social media generation, selfie generation, right? Where everyone, you put these pictures on and everyone wants to have that pristine image. I guess it's always been around. They used to say keeping up with the Joneses, right? Um, oh, they love this idea of everything is great. Look how nice I am. Well, inside, you're totally breaking down, but... You know, we have the saying in America when someone says, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I mean, you just kind of said that. It's like mechanical now, right? It's, it's okay not to be okay. If a tragedy happens in your life, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to go through the emotions of it. We have to accept the situation happened so we can move on. We can't just ignore. We can't just push it down. Um, David said over in Psalm 119.71, It was good for me that I had been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. David got to the point where he said, I'm glad this happened. I was able to get closer to God because of this. Sometimes people don't want to talk about the tragedies because well, the tragedy was their fault. Sometimes tragedies happen then and there's nothing to do with us. There's, not, there's no blame on our part. There's no sin in our life. It was something that God allowed to happen. Maybe it's a sin of somebody else. And we, and we got affected by somebody else's sin. That happens, right? Someone else does wrong, and then we get affected by it. Someone decides to drive on the wrong side of the road or not stop for the stop sign. We didn't do anything wrong. But that, 
Sometimes people will try to push those emotions down because, yeah, it was your fault. You you did sin. You didn't do your job. And because of that, this pain had happened. That was King David's problem. I think about after the Civil War. They finally took out the guy who was dividing the kingdom, who literally caused the Civil War, who chased David out of his own house. At the end of the battle, David was sitting there crying, Absalom, Absalom, my son. David, you're not dealing with it yet. You're not going to the problem. Yes, he was your son. He was also a murderer. The failure happened because you weren't being a good dad. David, you can't just ignore this problem anymore. In fact, all of David's soldiers became ashamed that they went to war for David. David, you, you need to accept this problem. You need to realize what's going on. The Bible says in Proverbs 28:13, He that covereth this sin shall not prosper. You try to cover it up, I'm sorry, it's just going to cause even more problems. Be sure your sin will find you out. But if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, we can't just, if we, if we need to accept the problem happened, even if we have to accept that it was my fault. We have to accept, well, it wasn't my fault, and this bad thing happened. We can't just pretend like it didn't happen. Maybe we need a little help with it. It's okay to ask for help when you're going through the trauma. You're not at that acceptance phase yet. Well, it's okay to ask for help. Joseph did when he was there in the jail. He asked the baker in the store to remember him. When we're going through those tragedies, you can ask for help. That's okay. We need to get to the point where we accept. This bad thing happened. This trauma happened. No matter what it is, we have to accept that it happened, and God did allow it. We may not know the reasons why, but God allowed it. Everyone thinks about when we say a bad thing happening to a good person. What book of the Bible comes to mind? Someone yelled out. Job. You know what the interesting thing about Job is? Go back and read it. God never told Job why his kids died. God never said why. He never told him why he went, basically went bankrupt using nowadays vernacular. Why he lost everything. God never told him. God never told him that Satan came up and, was, and God used Job as an excellent example of what a Christian should be. God never told him that. Sometimes a tragedy will happen. It's not our fault. And we're sitting there, God, why is this happening? God may not tell us. There's many times I think about when God just simply just doesn't have to let us know. We have to come to realize, yeah, this thing happened. And of course, it makes me think of Romans 8.28, and that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. That bad situation, whatever it is, God's going to use it. Does God, does God make those bad things happen? Well, no. It could be our own sin that makes it happen, right? It could be the sin of someone else that affects me that makes it happen. We have to accept that it happened. We have to realize that God did allow us to go through this situation in our life. By the way, let me point out for a half second there, that verse, Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good. Then it says, to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. God uses it for those that are the called according to his purpose, the saved. And, of course, I don't know every, necessarily know everyone in the room. I think most people, I know most everyone. Let me take that moment to point out right there. That's talking about those that are saved. Those that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you've never done that, man, you're going to have to go through the tragedies without having the, the God of gods on your side. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior... And it is, it is the most important decision you all make. It is key to know that you're not going to have to go through the trials and the tribulations of this world by yourself. That you're going to have a loving father there who's going to use it for good in your life. Who can use that bad thing for the end so that later on, good will happen. If you've never trusted Christ, I'm going to talk more about it in a minute. But still, let me just start by imploring you. Think, you know, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Was there that day of salvation? It has to be a direct day. There has to be a time. You may not know the date. For me, God made it simple for me. My date that I got saved was 1-2-3, January 2nd, 2003. Easy date for me to remember. You may not know the date, but you should know the situation. You see, I remember being as in church. I remember I was at my house. Brother, you know, Pastor Brown came to visit, right? And just remembering that situation, hey, you should be able to know for sure. You know, the Bible tells that we can know for sure we're going to heaven. You know, as we go through these situations, the first thing we really need to do is we try to grow through the situations. We've we got to accept that it happened. We can't just pretend it never did. 
We have to deal with the emotions. We have to deal with the struggles. Well, it's my fault. I don't want to have to deal with the consequences. We got it. Before anything else happens, we have to accept it. It happened. We have to admit that it happened so we can move forward for it. It's so amazing in America how many people won't do that. They'll, they'll be spending for years, they'll be spending more than what they can actually afford. So they're not accepting they don't make that income. And it ends them in a tragic situation. No, we need to accept it first. Second thing we need to do is to forgive. It says over here in verse 21, Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Joseph totally forgave his brothers. He, I mean, he legally could have had them executed. He could have had them thrown in prison. He could have, had, he could have had made them into slaves and later on thrown in prison. How, how do you guys like it? He could, I mean, he legally could have. But instead, he relinquished them of the debt. He says, I'm not going to place it to your charge. Every, different, every situation is different when it comes to forgiveness. But we've got to learn to forgive. Sometimes it's asking God for the forgiveness. Sometimes it's forgiving someone who sinned against us. Of course, I think of the verse, Ephesians 4.32. I've had the kids up, upstairs memorize it. They quote it almost every single week. That's just one of the rules for my class. Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted. The main part right here. Ready? For this verse anyways. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I have a classic funny story about how God really taught me this verse. Really implemented it in my life. Back when I was in 2005, when I graduated high school, um, my stepmama bought me a brand new silver PT Cruiser. How many of you guys remember my PT Cruiser? I, I liked that car. That car lasted me 12 years until Derby Milford Road. Um, it, was a, it was a great car. I was so ecstatic. I mean, a brand new car. Who wouldn't be excited about getting a brand new car, right? Um, and I remember, you know how it is when you buy a brand new car, right? You're taking up the two spots. You're parking way out there. Someone will messes with it. Oh, I was totally into that. The day I bought it, I did a clay bar and wax. And I even got that, that paint job to shine on it. I look at Brother B. He's one of my car guys, right? Oh, I mean, I detailed that thing out beyond to the point where the dealership said that my paint was now better than what they sold it to me like. Yes! I'm a huge car guy. Um, and one day, three days later, directly three days later, we were having youth activity at one of the church members' houses. Great. Christian activity, right? I had driven my car. You know, I parked out in Timbuktu, away from everything. No, 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 no. Park in my driveway. It'll be much safer. Y'all see where it's going, right? Should have been my sign, right? So I parked in his driveway, having a great time. Again, youth activity. We did a Bible lesson. We were just being teenagers, having a good time. Good, clean time. And eventually, like teenagers, we drank all the soda, right? So he decided to jump in his truck really quick and run down to Walmart. Y'all see where it's going? Oh, that sound right there. I can still hear it. It's, like, it's worse than a soda can crunching as he hit my rear quarter panel. It's like... I, I was standing in the front yard and I heard it. And my, one of my friends, Phil, the guy who led me to the Lord, just put his hand on me and says, don't, don't look, man. Don't look. <laughs> and of course I did. And there was this big old den, bigger than my fist, right there in that back corner panel. Three days old. I was crushed. And, of course, he, he, was, he, was, he, he was so apologetic. And I said, don't worry, that's what insurance is for, right? Well, no, 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 don't take it in insurance. Don't take it in insurance. I just got my license like two months ago. So I listened to him. And I saw him one other time. Never saw him again. As far as I know. I can only think of one other time I could have seen him. And so I had the dent. I had the dent on my car for years. And every time I'd see it, I'd say, I'm, I'm a car guy. I'm a pretty big car guy. On that same car, I changed out the brakes to be aftermarket um, brake system, put an SRT4 brakes on the front end, custom rims. I mean, I'm, I was a car guy. And I had this huge dent on my back. And every time I saw it, I, I was starting to get bitter about it over a dent. Um, eventually, God really started dealing with it. No, you need to forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. I'm going to have a dent in my car if I forgive him. If I forgive him, it's still there. And I can almost hear Jesus say, yeah, and I still have the scars on my hands. I thought about Thomas. I want to believe him took my hands. Yeah, there were scars there. Yeah, but I'll have this big dent. Yeah, well, I have holes in my feet. 
I have a spear wound still on my side. What do you say after that, right? I had to learn to forgive, to relinquish it. Okay, if I ever saw him today, you know, I might tell him about how great the sermon illustrations become. But um, <laughs> God really had to teach me to forgive. You know, it's, it's amazing the power of forgiveness. That when we turn around and say, you know what? I'm not going to bl- It's gone. It's forgotten. We can turn around and forgive and say, well, why? He didn't deserve it. No. Do, do we forgive, deserve forgiveness? No. The reason we forgive is because, Ephesians 4.32, because um, God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. We can, if we don't, if we just want to stay on that, and say, well, they hurt me so bad. I mean, you're the one that's going to get hurt through the bitterness. Bitterness is so... So dangerous. I'd rather deal with a scorpion than with bitterness. Hebrews 12.15 Looking diligently, lest any... Look at the words God chooses. We use the King James Bible to see exactly what God said, right? Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up troubling you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness will take us down so fast. Bitterness will get to the point where that verse says that we'll fail of the grace of God. Does that mean you won't be saved anymore? Well, no. It says you're going to act like you're not saved. It says you're going to be defiled. You'll get to the point where you're so bitter against God that people... Does that get even saved? Your life will be so angry at God. It'll just be so amazing. I was so winning one time. I think with... Um, it was, I was either with Lewis or Adolfo. I can't remember which one of the twins. You know, they're, they're identical twins, right? Lewis and Adolfo are not identical twins. They're twins, but they're not identical. Um, I can't remember which one of them I was with that day. Uh, we were out soul winning over in Stratford, and we were, we were just hanging John and Romans on people's doors. And this lady comes running out of the house, starts screaming and yelling and cursing at us, taking the John and Romans, starts tearing it up right there in the street. It was so dramatic. I actually started getting to talk to this lady, and the reason she was so bitter was because of one of the, she was one of the victims of the Catholic priests out here. If you remember a couple years ago, the scandal broke out here about those priests there in Bridgeport. Um, she was one of the victims, and she was so angry at God that she was literally tearing apart part of a Bible in the middle of the road because somebody just put it on her door. That's bitter. That's angry. And bitterness will defile us. Bitterness will get to the point where it is just despicable. No, we need to forgive them. I love that verse there when, when it says, you know, Father, forgive them, for they know not they do. When Jesus said that, do you know what the next part of this verse says? The next part of the verse says that they, then they gambled, we're talking about his, gambling his clothes away. So he says, Lord, I want you to, God, please forgive them as they're sinning, as they're gambling away his clothes. I want to be able to forgive like that. Now I'm, I'm going to go back to that little PT Cruiser story because once I forgave him, my little brother who happened to be a body shop man one day walked out there and fixed the dent. In one hit. He got the tool, walked around there, bam, and it was completely fixed. <laughs> Bitterness let me be mad about it for at least four years. I mean, he did it for me the week before we got married. And so it happened for at least four years. Every time I would see that done, I would get angry, I'd get bitter. Until finally, I learned to forgive. And then my little brother knocked out in one hit. One strike. Hey, when we forgive, there's healing in forgiveness. Well, I don't want to forgive them. No, you don't need to forgive them because they deserve it. You need to do it for you. You need to do it because if that bitterness gets in your heart, it'll defile you. That's a powerful word, defile. That bitterness is going back to it and thinking back and back. No, no. That bitterness is going to defile you. You need to forgive. And when God forgives us for our sins, he forgives all of our sins, right? One-time transaction, past, present, future. Sometimes, you know, you might need to go back to it and forgive it again. Just because you go back to the bitterness. You forgave him. You left it at the altar. You're done with it. And then the next thing is back. And the next thing is back on your mind. Forgive it again. We need to learn to forgive. We have to accept this bad situation happened to us. We need to forgive. Sometimes it's asking God, God, I knew I blew it. Will you forgive me? Maybe we have to forgive somebody else as I had to do to that kid, Ryan. Number three, we need to reflect and plan. Reflect and plan. Verse 20 and 21. But again, but as for you, 
You thought evil against me. Here's, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, for you not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them, spake kindly to them. We need to take, after we forgive someone, we gotta to get to the point where we'll get to the hard part. Step number three, okay, we accept that it happened. We're gonna forgive them. But now we need to start to grow. Now we need to start to plan, how am I gonna live the rest of my life? This situation may have changed. Where are we going to go from here? We get the shell shock over with from the tragedy. We need now figure out a plan. We need to reflect on the situation, find out what we can learn from it, and then make a plan to grow from there. My deepest time of ever experiencing this was out in Las Vegas. Um, for those who have never heard my story with it, um, after Chris and I got married, I was offered a job being a vice principal at a Christian school and the second year is going to be the principal there. We were excited. We moved to Las Vegas. Um, we rented an apartment, got married. It was an exciting time of life, right? School started up. One week after school, one week after school time, I get, the pastor called me into his office. Like, done, 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 right? And he, he told me, I can't pay you. We messed up. We don't have the budget. We can't pay you to work here. I, I was crushed. I was seriously crushed from that. I mean, it was two or three, oh, we had a two-week honeymoon. It's like three, four weeks after I got married. You know, had a lease on an apartment I couldn't get out of. I was crushed. I ended up just getting a job at U-Haul and having to start to go through the process of accepting what had happened. I, it took me a couple of weeks to accept what happened. To start to forgive what was going on. I, I got angry I, and I wanted to forgive. But then, what am I going to do? Just, just sit here, work a part-time job at U-Haul for the rest of my I mean, we can't stay in the slump. We, we need to go. And this is the hardest step. This is where most people get stuck at, is they're in that bad situation. The person, their friend died, and they're grieving for them, and they just they want to stay in that grieving. No, we, we have to get up. We need to take the time to grieve, to accept what happened, to forgive. We've we got to get going. We need to make a plan, and we need, to re- we need to reflect on it, but we need a plan as well. When it happened to me in Las Vegas, a- after I finally came to my senses, shall we say, I decided I want to grow through this. I don't want to stay in the slump. And it is amazing. I don't think I've ever had a time where I grew more. I grew financially. I learned how to budget. <laughs> There's a novel thought, right? I, I learned my my marriage grew through the bad situation. I started, you know, my philosophy of what marriage was dramatically changed as I started reading books. As I started really focusing on what it means to be married uh, financially, my my job changed. I ended up getting a very well job. Um, I learned how to be a better salesman um, as I was selling storage units, and it was just amazing. I grew intelligently. I started. I learned to be a reader. I read before, but really learning to be a reader, learning to read, for, you know, not just see a book, but go through it and grow through it. I'm sure I learned more in that six months period than I did in four years of college because God allowed those trials to teach me. You know, I saw my shortcomings. I saw those problems in my life and I dealt with them. We need to see those bad things that happen and realize we need to grow through it. Joseph is the perfect example of it because as he came before Pharaoh, he said, here's what's going to happen, Pharaoh. There's going to be seven great years here. Food's going to be everywhere in the seven years of famine. Let's plan this out so when the famine strikes, you know, we're going to be taken care of. In fact, he did such a well job of it. If you read the story, um, not only was Egypt taken care of, they, they had such a surplus that they became rich. That Pharaoh's finances just skyrocketed. People selling everything back to the Pharaoh just to buy food. And the Pharaoh became expediently rich back then. We need to learn to see, okay, this bad thing happened. What can I learn? Where can I go from here? We hear inspirational stories about this all the time in America, right? I thought about Bethany um, Hamilton Dirks, who's, they made a movie about her recently. I don't know if it's a good movie, but there's, there's a movie out here. She was a professional surfer who in 2003 got attacked by a shark in the middle of a competition. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about now? They, they, they ate her arm uh, up to here. So she accepted it happened. She forgave. 
And then she went back to surfing. She went back in the water. She made the, she made the plan. She practiced how to surf with one arm. And she became, again, a professional surfer again. Uh, Rebecca Gregory was there in 2013 in, at the Boston Marathon and lost her leg during that terrorist attack. And in 2015, she ran in the marathon with a prosthetic. We hear these stories about people who go through tragedies and then grow through them, who realize, I'm not just going to stay here feeling bad for myself. I want to grow. I want to go. I want, I want this one thing to be the defining factor in my life. I want to grow. When we go through these bad situations, and every situation, again, will be independent, we need to realize, we need to reflect, we've got to plan for the future. The Bible says it in Proverbs 24, 16, as, for the just man falleth seven times and rises up again. I got knocked down. The, the situation beat me up. Now it's time to get back up and to continue. What can I do from here? How can I grow? How can I learn? How can I push forward? In Philippians 3.14, Paul kind of deals with this. He says, Brethren, I said, Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. He didn't just stay there thinking about how he helped kill Stephen or any of those many Christians that he's helped kill or hauled to jail. No, I'm going to forget those things which are behind. And I'm going to reach for those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to get up and I am going to go. I am going to deal with the situation. I'm going to realize that, yes, my best friend died. That, yes, I got fired from this job. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to do more. I'm going to make a plan. I can't do it all today, but I can do something today. We're going to learn from the mistakes that we made and then grow through them. If we're going to grow through the situation, we, ha- we have to come up with a plan. How's it going to happen? And then we need to, number four, grow and succeed. To grow and succeed. We, we've made our plan. But now it's, it's time to do the plan, to grow and to succeed. We're, we're, we've accepted it happened. We forgave. We've planned. Now it's time to grow and succeed. Of course, as we look here at the story... At this point, people look at Joseph as the successful part of the story, right? Prime minister of, of Egypt, on top of the world. Um, his attention, his focus, his attention, though, was God his Savior. And when we talk about growing and succeeding, let's define it as growing closer to Christ. When we go through success... It's truly success is growing closer to Christ. When we do that, I mean, we see here Joseph is now politically successful. Most people will agree that he was financially successful as the prime minister, right? We would agree that he was socially successful. But really, what made him a success was he realized God's plan in this thing. God meant it to good. I don't know how much of an epiphany he had with this. No. Success is growing closer to Christ. Draw nigh to God and he will dry not to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James 4.8 We're going to have the success then when we plan, we execute that plan to get closer to Jesus, to go closer to Christ. And sometimes when you hear that, it sounds just like cotton candy, right? It's light, it's fluffy, it's sweet, has no real substance there. We hear these things sometimes, and that's kind of what it is, right? You want to go closer to Christ. Well, what does that actually mean? Where's the meat behind that? Is it just the con candy? Just a little fun thing to say to make people feel better? No. What is success? Well, success is when we stop and realize, you know, I can see how God's going to use that. That situation was bad. But I can see how good can come out of it. It's not necessarily being thankful that the situation happened. There's a lot of situations that we'll go through that we don't, we're not going to be thankful for. A rape victim is never going to be thankful they went through that. That's just, that's just crazy to say, right? There's situations we'll go through that, no, we're not going to be thankful. But we can see how God's going to use it. God doesn't make those bad things happen. But God can use that as a tool in his life, in your life, right? God can use that, those bad situations to bring to pass, as it is to say, to save much people alive to help people out in amazing ways. I'll think about, and I'll point out the fact, when Chris and I 
most of y'all know, between Kiara and the twins, we had those ten miscarriages. And many of you guys came and comforted us and told us your stories with it. Yeah, you went through the bad situation, then you were able to come in beside us and comfort us as we were dealing with those tragedies in our lives. Did God allow you to do that so you could comfort us? No. But God had a plan through it. God allowed that to be a comfort to someone else. Success is when we realize God's going to do something through this. God has a plan. He is going to use me. It's taking our attention away from the tragedy and putting it on Christ. That's real success. So when we say, is when we use it to grow closer to Christ. To say, I see how God used this. To the point where we can say, I know God's hand better now than I did before the situation. When we realize that we are so close to God at this point, that it is amazing. I thought of Isaiah 49.15. Can a woman forget her suckling child? That she, and that she should not have compassion out of the son of her womb? Can a lady forget the baby? She just, yeah. They may forget, but yet not. But will yet will I not forget thee? We know how much a mom loves a baby, right? But there are those that will forget. Because I'm never going to leave you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When we go through the situations, we'll have success when we start seeing God's hand. When we start growing closer to Him, and start loving Him more, and seeing Him love on us, and that success will affect those that are around us. When we start having success and start growing through the situation, when we start growing closer to Christ, it'll bring others along with us. I forgot Brother Vara wasn't going to be here today because he had a really good story about this. I'm going to steal his story. Um, He told me this a couple weeks ago, and it was just like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Brother Vara one day, to try to make a long story short, contractor, right? Um, Does remodeling of houses. Went... um, Talking to a lady, gave her an estimate, and got to help this lady with assurance of her salvation. Um, and they never heard from her for a year. Um, apparently, she just lost his phone number one and him, couldn't find it for a little while. During that year time is when he had his first battle with um, cancer, right? Many of us remember that and how weak he got. Well, this lady reached back out to him, and her son's house still needed the work done on it. And... They just wanted the work done. They didn't care when it was done. He was, you know, he was a lawyer in um, New York, so we didn't care about his house in Connecticut. He's trying to get it fixed up so we can sell it. So work on it whenever you feel good, buddy. Just get it done. Um, and as he's now working on this house, whenever his strength allows him to, he's able to get work it out. So obviously his son works for him, as you, you all know. Um, they need some cleaning done around the house. So they're able to get his wife and daughter involved in it. And this man was come by occasionally and see this family serving God together, serving and doing great in the middle of a horrible situation, cancer. I mean, y- y'all remember when that happened to him, right? There's, some, there's honestly some times we really didn't know if he would make it. And he would see this and he got to the point and told them, I want what you have. How can your family be like this? And got to lead him to the Lord. You know, Mike's success and keeping his attention and focus on Christ through the middle of this tragedy in his life. Let someone get a certain sense of salvation, let someone else too get saved. And obviously, we know, this, we know them, right? It allowed their family to grow so close together. When we are going through a tragedy, and we can get our focus in on Christ, you know what's going to encourage those others? It'll encourage those around us to say, I want what he wants. To encourage them to say, if he can go through it, I can go through it. I can see this. I can see it. Just like I was saying a second ago, through the tragedy of losing um, those babies with us and so many people coming around us having the success and having grown closer to Christ through that was able to encourage us to keep going. When we go through these traumatic situations in life, we want to be able to have real success and to grow through it, to come out on the other side as silver that's been tried in the furnace, right? As to see, as coming on and building our lives as gold, silver, and precious stones that have gone through the fire. Not just necessarily just living back in those situations, but being that light to shine and encourage others to go. Tragedies and traumatic situations are going to come into your life. Pain is coming. It's part of the sin of this world. When Adam sinned, um, he made it so, you know, as by, as by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin, so the death passed upon all generations for all have sinned. Because sin is in this world, 
Pain's going to come. Yeah, one day, God will destroy this world. There'll be in the new heaven, new earth, and there'll be no more pain or suffering or weeping for the former things that are passed away. Yes, I totally messed up that verse. Um, but while, until that day, we're, we're going to go through those pains. We're going to go through those trials. We're going to go through those tragedies. And we should grow. We should get to the point where we say, I want to go. On the screen here, normally Brother Joe makes all the slides. But I chose the background image. What is it? It's, it's a little tree growing through the, the, um, where the fire had gone. Of course, you all know I grew up in California, right? Redwood Forest. And we always see when the redwood catches on fire how traumatic it is, right? But that's how the... Hey, thanks, Brother Joe. Brother Joe's so awesome back there, isn't he? He does a great job back there. Um, when these fires would break out, for a long time, they got so worried with well, what's going to happen to the forest after these fires. In fact, they even had Smokey the Bear help out with that, right? If you ever want an interesting you know, read or anything, find out the statistics with the whole Smokey the Bear thing. It's kind of you know, amazing. He did such a great job of preventing fire, forest fires that he actually stopped new growth. It's actually a very interesting study to do. Um, U.S. government right there. Uh, sometimes God allows the fires to go so we can see the new growth. So we can see us growing in ways that we never thought possible. These bad situations happen. And again, maybe it's not your fault. I think back to um, in 2004, to, uh, 2005, Mother's Day 2005. My, da- my dad was going to pick up me and my sister from school. If we had a night event at the school, and he, he didn't trust the drunk driver. So he decided to go pick us up himself. Um, can you guess where the story's going to go? I actually um, got a different ride back before I knew he was coming. So him and my stepsister were driving home and a drunk driver hit him. He went out there to protect us from a drunk driver and ended up getting hit by a drunk driver. Well, did my dad do something wrong to make him? No, he was doing a good thing. He was being a good papa. Um, and someone else's sin affected him. Sometimes we'll go through tragedies which aren't our fault. Just like that. We can grow through that. Sometimes, yeah, it is our fault. David, you're not being... You're not raising your channels correctly, and because of that, that's causing the civil war over here. It, when those tragedies come into our life, yeah, we might get the burnt forest. Something, the destruction come. For the wages of sin is death. We see the death, right? Sometimes it's a physical death, sometimes death of an opportunity. But God can use the growth. He can use that bad situation for our growth. Joseph's sitting here saying, you thought evil against me. You tried to hurt me. And they did. It wasn't an accident. They intentionally did these things. But God meant it onto good. God used it to save several countries that are still in existence today. I'm thinking specifically of Egypt and Israel. When those bad situations come your way, and they're going to come, we need to get to the point where we can accept that it happened. Have you accepted this? Whatever situation you're going through, have you accepted that it's happened? Are you trying to deny and try to pretend like everything's still okay, la, 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 I'm not listening? Or are you ready to accept that it happened? We need to learn to forgive and not get bitter against it. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, you don't deserve to be saved. It's by the grace of God that we're saved, and it needs to be grace where we forgive them. We need then to reflect in the plan. What will, you know, why did that happen? Well, I don't know why. Well, what can we do from this step forward to grow. Not just staying there wallowing, but growing from that. So that we can lead to that growth in our life. As we end today, you know, there's, a, there's an old saying where some people say, you're either gone, you're in a situation, you just got out of a situation, or you're heading into a situation. You're going through the storm, out of the storm, or you, you might be preparing for another storm. Eventually something's going to happen again in your life. Sorry, reality. Um, I hope when those situations come, you'll kind of remember this. So that way, it can help you grow through those tragedies. As you see the fire, as you see the destruction, say, you know, there could be growth through this. We can see the sapling growing through the tragedy. And again, the biggest tragedy with this is to leave here today and to not to be saved. The biggest tragedy would be to to step into a Baptist church and to leave not knowing for sure you're going to heaven. The Bible makes it very clear. 
that our sins do cause death. And we know that. We've talked about that. We have to realize, though, that our sins cause our death, that we deserve hell for our lies, for the stealing, for the selfish thought, for those foolish thoughts, for the thought of foolishness of sin, it says over there in um, Psalms. And that because of our sins, God himself was willing to step down in love, live a perfectly sinless life, and die on the cross for our sins, that he could offer forgiveness for us. And the only way we can get that is by simply asking for it. I love that. Isn't that just amazing? So many people want to try to earn going to heaven. Well, I'm a good person. Good compared to who? I always ask them, good compared to who? And you can always make yourself look better than somebody, right? Um, I'm a Jewish man. Let's pick on Hitler. You can always make yourself look better than him. Um, but we can also then look at other people and realize, eh, I don't think I'm as good as Brother Mark over there. I mean, he's just he's so... I don't know, I'm going to keep going to you, Brother Mark, today. What's up with that? Um, we can always make ourselves look better than someone. Well, somebody might be using you as that example, too, one day. Careful. We, no. We can't earn forgiveness. It has to be given. Just like we need to forgive others, Christ is willing to forgive us if we simply ask him for it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe, could be, possibly, well, as long as they do good and they don't do bad later. No, no, you shall be saved. And if you've never had that today, I want to invite you to come up here. We'll have someone show you in more detail so you can know for sure that you have eternal life. Of First John 5.13, right? And you may know that you have eternal life. So I'm going to close in a, in a second in a word of prayer and open up the invitation. But again, if you're not saved, that would be the greatest tragedy and as you go through the trage- your tragedies in your life, hopefully, you know, whether you're in one now or going to go through one one day, remember to accept that it happened, to forgive, to reflect and plan so you can grow through it. Let's pray, shall we? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, as we, as we come to the end here, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us really consider the tragedies in our life, those situations that you've allowed us in the past and how we have grown. We pray that you'd help us to accept those, those tragedies. Not just as I am or try to pretend, ignore the elephant in the room, but to accept it and deal with it straight on. Help us, Lord Jesus, with our forgiveness. To forgive those, not to stay bitter, but to offer true and final forgiveness of it. Lord, we pray that you would help us not just to stay in those bad situations, but to reflect and plan so we can grow through you. And most importantly, Lord Jesus, I pray if somebody is not saved today, that they would leave here today knowing they have eternal life. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We praise things in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask Mr. Vera to start the invitation. And why don't we stand up and take a moment to reflect on this.